0: Today's podcast is brought to you by bringing needless podcasts to people. Who gives a fuck? Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm Joe DeRosa, and this is where I talk about one subject with one guest for one hour And today's topic is showbiz. What can I say about showbiz that the people doing it don't already know and the people not doing it will find pretentious and too inside? Probably nothing. You know, they say there's no business like it. And well, that's not true. There are a thousand career paths out there that are equally as treacherous, exciting, exhilarating, and all-around disgusting as show business. To quote the great actor Carol O'Connor, I have heard show business characterized as a refuge for childlike persons in flight from all things harsh and real. Well, I agree with that, uh, but I also think that show business is a flight into all things harsh and real that will eventually make you more childlike and in need of refuge. In addition, show business constant pitfalls, welcome and unwelcome surprises, and ego-pumping experiences will regularly make one participating in it say, to quote Carol O'Connor again, ah, uh, geez. That was a reference to All in the Family, a TV show that starred Carol O'Connor, and to me, a TV show that exemplifies the reason that so many of us continue to brave the treacherous terrain through Hollywood or anywhere else that potentially grants us stages, spotlights, accolades, and applause, while almost guaranteeing failure, rejection, loneliness, and heartache. Here's the reason we do it. We all hope to one day make something as cool and entertaining as All in the Family, most of us. Some people just want to fuck their face up until they get to host some sort of dance competition show. That was a plastic surgery bit. Did that play? Uh, Anyway, will we get to the cool place? Who knows? But we can sure get drunk a lot and bitch while trying. And with me today is a friend. A guy that I must say I admire greatly, particularly for his work on one of my favorite TV shows ever, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's a hilarious stand-up and an accomplished writer. He's lent his skills to shows such as Outsourced and Robin Big, and he currently resides at Two Broke Girls and In My Heart. I'm glad to know this guy. He's fun, he's funny, and he makes me feel safe in this scary, scary city of Los Angeles. Patrick Walsh, everybody.
1: Hey, Hi, Patty. Hi. How are you? are you? Good. I'm good. That was a delightful intro. Thank you. Yeah. I, I liked it. I felt like I had a good flow. I didn't know if I was supposed to talk or not. Or no. Or laugh or...
0: No, you did the right thing. Okay. Was... You did the right thing. All right. I'm yeah. nervous. Patty, I mentioned in the intro, you write for two broke girls. I do. Okay. Now, that's the show starring... Kat Dennings. Kat Dennings. Okay. <laughs> and Beth Bears. Okay. And Garrett Morris. And Garrett Morris. Now... And others. Now, this takes place before the events of the Thor movies.
1: <laughs> yes, we discussed this last night. She she works at a restaurant by day. Right. And then what does she do with Thor in the movies? Helps him?
0: I think she's just she pretty much. Quips. She's just Cat Dennings in the movies. Yeah.
1: I saw the first Thor uh, and I have not yet seen The Dark World. Okay, I know you didn't appreciate it. The Dark World, which is fine. I didn't like The Dark World. Okay, But
0: now is Natalie Portman
1: in the sitcom? She plays the other girl? She pops in. She's not the other girl, but she pops in. Okay. She's a rich girl who makes fun of them. And then, is she Thor's love interest? Kat Dennings? Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. I thought she played
0: Thor. Wait a second. I'm all turned
1: around here. That's uh, Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell, right. Right. He's uh, 45 years old kind of pudgy. Yeah. And he plays Thor. Yeah. The, yeah.
0: And he's also on that Cop TV show
1: where he's partners with Ice T. Law and Thorder. Yes, right? <laughs> Very good. And then uh the show I write for is a prequel to Thor called Be Thor and After. Uh-huh. But we're not
0: at the after part yet. No, the after is is Thor. Who plays Garrett Morris in the movie though?
1: Morgan Freeman plays Garrett Morris in the movie.
0: I don't remember him being in... No, it's Samuel Jackson plays Garrett
1: Morris's part. Sa- I see where you're confused. Samuel L. Jackson plays Morgan Freeman, who is playing Garrett Morris in okay. the movie. It's sort of a behind-the-scenes meta thing that they do. Okay, so, it's, it's, so that's great, man. Yeah.
0: Why would they call the Thor TV show Two Broke Girls? That's the only <laughs> part I don't understand. I, they look, don't I mean, At least call it Marvel's <laughs> Two Broke Girls. Well, that's a mouthful.
1: Something with agents in the title. Yeah, well, they already had Agents of Shield. Well, I know,
0: but tie it together so we know
1: that this is part of the same universe. Agents of Shield with Michael Chiklis. Yeah. wait, who? Michael Chiklis. Who's that? He plays Vic Mackey on Agents of Shield. Vic Mackey. You never watched the Shield? I thought you'd keep this big going with me. The Shield. I'm still going with it. The, the, the Shield. FX crime drama. The Shield. Oh, the Shield yeah. with the guy that played Thing. Yeah. Yeah, in the fanta- in Marvel's The Fantastic Four.
0: Yes, yes, yes. No, I've seen that we're show. We're real deep into this now.
1: I've seen that show. Yeah, that's pretty yeah.
0: good. I like the movies they made about his character, The Thing.
1: Did you see The Fantastic Four, just... which no. is where Thor is one of the members of The Fantastic no. Four? No. Did that's you see the spin off really Thing movies? No, I didn't know they made those. They were
0: called Swamp
1: Thing, which was weird. Swamp. I didn't understand <laughs> why they brought it into a swamp all of a it, sudden. just The Thing hanging out in a swamp <laughs> drinking beers.
0: It wasn't even the thing. They made them all green. Yeah, I don't know why would Well, Michael that might have been the
1: Hulk. Oh shit. You're right. Okay. Yeah. All
0: right. I'm Wait a minute. Remember but the what, Hulk
1: from Suburban Commando?
0: Yeah, and they also had a TV show about the
1: Hulk, which was just called The Hulk with which, Lou Ferrigno.
0: Yeah, brings me back to the point. They should just call two broke girls Thor.
1: I'll talk to him about it on Monday. Great. All right. Patty, welcome to the show. Thanks. We're off and running with a bit. <laughs> yeah, that was a deep bit.
0: I, I'm actually sweating. <laughs> i felt like that was some sort of ucb improv yeah no, it was good i thought it was great there's um, also
1: i think there's some easter eggs in there as well like when i said suburban commando for hulk i was talking about hulk hogan i don't know if anyone even picked up on that
0: i didn't pick up on I think it i was
1: so far ahead of you i didn't pick up on it yeah, if right. i
0: was going to go hulk hogan i would have referenced no holds barred but would see obvious that's, even a little that's not obscure. really an easter egg no no no, no. suburban command no Holds Barred is the Hulk Hogan movie.
1: The was Hulk Hogan and Christopher Lloyd, <laughs> who doesn't act anymore for some reason. Uh, he does. He was in the Piranha movies. Oh, you're right. You're right. And so was uh, Dickie Dreyfus, who
0: got eaten. He gets eaten in the first... Oh, wait a minute. I, Richard Dreyfuss is in the opening of the first Piranha movie, and he gets eaten immediately. Gets eaten. Who's Nicky Dreyfus?
1: Dicky Dreyfus is Richard Dreyfuss. Oh, I call oh. him Dickie because I'm in uh, show business, like we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. How do you like show business? uh well i love it like i i go to work every day and i can talk about whatever i want to talk about somebody comes in and they're like hey i have a ordeal with my penis and then we all talk about it for an hour and laugh and everything and it's a blast it's incredible. and i i think about you know i, I when i tempt and other jobs and stuff like that you can't talk about anything you want to talk about so it's such a like I, there there are bad things about it like any business sure but the fact that I get to go in and just laugh all day and make people laugh and come up with jokes and bullshit is amazing.
0: It is It is the most amazing part of show business to yeah. me. Um, there's no rules, really. Well, and people always say to me, like like at shows, like stand-up shows, Yeah. people come up after the show and they'll go, oh, man, you got the life, dude. You just get to do these shows. And it's like, look, yeah, that's all really great. Yeah. And I very much appreciate all of it. But to me, the biggest perk of show business is that you can go into a workplace, right. a work environment, and literally talk about your dick. You can. And nobody's getting fired. And I do. There's no harassment. There's no. none of that. It's just like, yeah, we work in, this is, you, we, we are in the creative wheel, and we need to be able to talk openly with one another.
1: Yeah, and even, the, you know, you, like you'll always have like a younger assistant. And the fear of that goes away immediately where you're like, oh, I hope this person does. Because like, you say terrible things about other people in show business. Right. You say t- terribly sexist things, mean things to each other, awful things, yell at each other. And you just have to trust the person taking the notes that they're not going to go put you on blast. We were talking about that Friends lawsuit. the other Yeah, day. that's an incredible story. And a, uh, Share it with the audience, please. Well, the very abridged version is that the, the, the writer's assistant was a, a girl in the Friends writer's room and they had all these you can look it up it was a supreme court case but the friends writers would talk very very graphically about you know it was courtney cox Lise goudreau and annison in their prime and they would say who you know who do you want to bang the most and who do you think is best in bed and who it's like charlie's angels right there yeah i mean that's That's great yeah three three great gals still relevant to this day i'm happy for and i'd still take a shot at any one of them as would I. We should be I mean, so lucky. I mean that in the sex way. <laughs> no, I you mean I was gonna try to hit one of them. I, in the yeah, face. That was clear. That yeah. Was clear. Yeah. All right. But you know, and especially in a writers' room, and especially when you, if you're working late on a script, things just start getting crazy. And they, they were talking about, like I was telling you, they were like, "I, Corny Cox has gotten so thin. I bet it's all twigs inside of her and stuff." So like really gross, graphic, sexual effect. Right. Thing. And all of this, like, so that's one one example. This girl had written everything down in great detail, and. That was all part of her lawsuit. She had transcripts of things people said in the room, said to her, and eventually it made it to the Supreme Court. A buddy of mine who wrote on Two Bro Girls wound up, he was a friend's writer and had to go testify and all this with his wife there and things he had said and blah, blah, blah. But eventually the judge said, uh, this is a show about people in their 20s having sex and the writers need to feel free to talk about whatever they want. And if that's sex, so be it. So we're protected, actually, to talk about all this garbage That's so all day. Amazing which is kinda awesome. That's yeah. So amazing to me. That's so amazing. There are lines. I'm not grabbing somebody's ass or something. That's not allowed. You're but, not, uh, <laughs> dude. Come on over <laughs> to the show. I work now. Uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, well, you no. can't walk around in that outfit and not expect a little <laughs> something, Joe. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. talking, we're talking about my ass being grabbed, not me well, grabbing it. I walk around in short shorts a lot, <laughs> yeah. and they're patent leather. So Days it sends out a certain message. Yeah. Uh, what, where did the Friends girls fall on that whole thing? Were they, did they want these guys to get in trouble, or, or did they believe in the protection of, look, that let them talk about what they want?
1: That It was always a little awkward talking with him about it, because, you know, it actually you know it affects your marriage because then they're like well what 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 really happens and i can't believe you said this and all that and it was just you know it's tense but uh he's way past it but then actually when we did the sexual harassment seminar he's sitting there as they're discussing his case this guy like it's a big thing even 15 years later so i'm sure those actresses when they read those things were not pleased that those things were being said but in the discussion of who do you think's the hottest and stuff that's also probably kind of flattering i would imagine yeah i'd
0: imagine so yeah. i'd be so pleased if anybody thought of me sexually to the point of being as graphic as i bet his dick is all twigs inside yeah i mean i would just be like wow they really thought this through (laughs) yeah and cox was my favorite
1: no well that's not true Cox was always my favorite my favorite as well
0: aniston was was aniston to me was like the girl next door she was so she was like a sunbeam
1: yeah, uh, I, I, but Anna Cox Susan has was never like, done a lot. Of so time.
0: sexy to me, like Cox was—it was, it, was yeah. a, Cox was way more like, like I, I want to go to a bar with her and bang shots and like, blah, yeah, you know, sure. like she seemed like a party,
1: you know. Yeah, and Kudrow was just like a very lovely woman. She's funny, and like, I don't know if you've seen the Comeback, which my boss actually did, but it's a yeah. genius show a about show. show business actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, that raised my opinion of her because Phoebe for me was always a little one note. As well as LeBlanc. Any dumb character is always going to be a little one note. Yeah. I always picked Cox as well. You're right. But now you see Aniston and like We're the Millers. It's like Oh, we didn't have that Aniston back then. It's like, what's going on? Where did this come from? We didn't get that Aniston till till uh, horrible bosses. That's true. We, and it's odd that someone, you know, would would start taking off the clothes that late in the game. Well, I know. She's kept it together, obviously. She
0: she taken off the clothes. I mean, she didn't she's gotten that as uh, revealing i don't know she you don't sound like you see her naked but yeah she's been as revealing in good movies girl? prior to that i think, I think saw you actually nipple see her in the good girl boobs and good girl um yeah. but she in 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 the breakup there's that scene where she walks down the hallway naked and yep. you see as much as you can yeah, see exactly. without that's a
1: great movie by the way the
0: breakup, i, I love know. it it's one of my favorite movies yeah um and you know uh uh so so she, you've seen it but i like that it's it's not what you see, it's the mouth. It's the shit she's saying.
1: Yeah. I didn't mean that in of literal <laughs> sense. It maybe it's I'm the
0: mouth. mouth.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> she got a pretty mouth. Yeah. Um but mouth it's, with an F. Yeah. Exactly. Of course. Yeah. yeah.
0: If you say pretty mouth. in front of it, you gotta end it with the F. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean well, I mean, look, Friends is another great example of one of those shows, uh, like All in the Family. Yeah. Where you say You disagree or agree with this. You tell me. It really is. I meant what I said. You get into this thing, and it's mortifying, and it's dehumanizing, and defaming, and- You mean show business. Yeah, show business. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for keeping me on track on my own show. (laughs) Somebody has to. I was interviewing Kurt Braunohler on one of these, and I almost forgot it was my show for a minute. He was so convincingly talking to me about something. I was oh, like yeah? getting nervous, like, what's <laughs> Kurt going to ask me? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, um, but, you know, I, it, it, it can be, and look, I know there are other uh, career paths you could pursue that are also dehumanizing and defaming. Sure. Um I think any office job or, or anything that, you know, where where there's a lot of money on the line and all that sort of stuff and you gotta kinda put yourself out there creatively, can do that to you. There's also a lot worse. You could be a Navy SEAL and face the threat of fucking death. Yeah. You know, c- cop. You know, there's a lot yeah. more danger physically out there in other jobs, obviously. But my point is is given the career that I'm in, in in this field and all the bullshit you have to put up with and where it makes you feel like your soul is withering away yep slowly but surely every day i just keep doing it because i say i just want to i just want to hopefully one day do the thing that like you know like when i saw star wars as a kid and i was like oh my god uh-huh. you know yeah you know, I, I wept when i saw indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull oh god now now see you- hold on hold on well let me just say what i'm going to say first because i,
1: ha- I have an inst- a gut reaction when i hear those words i
0: know you do but just hear me out you probably loved it didn't you? The- I liked it. You loved the fucking Phantom Menace. I liked it. I didn't love Phantom Menace. I liked it. All right. But here's the thing. I'm not going to say what you think I'm going to say. That's why I'm saying, let me say. I got teary at the beginning of the movie when you see the silhouette of Harrison Ford put the hat on and it plays the music. I just got chills. It it, it It meant so much to me as a kid. Right. Indiana Jones. Star Wars meant so much to me. I was shaking when I went to see *Phantom Menace*. When it said a long time ago, and it got, I like yeah. couldn't. I, I I was beside myself. I would love to one day be able to do something that that affects somebody ten percent of of what I felt in those situations.
1: Sure, and that's why you put up with it. That's me. Is that what you feel? Is that what your pursuit is? Well, absolutely. I mean, I uh, my whole thing was always comedy from when I was a little kid. John John Hughes in particular, right? Uh, and all those movies. But I don't get those experiences now. I don't get uh, John Hughes because he died, right? But for me, those things ruined me. Like, like spe- I, I always liked Indiana Jones way more than Star Wars. And when I went to that movie, I, I couldn't talk for a couple days. Really? Yeah. Really. I was just angry. Really? I don't know why they have to keep doing it. Oh, keep doing it. And you liked all three of these Star Wars. Uh, I,
0: with the first when I first saw Phantom Menace in the theater, I was like. Oh, there was a lot of convincing myself. Let's put it this way. Phantom Menace made more sense to me when the trilogy was finished. Yeah. I was able to go back and go, okay, I see how this is a Star Wars movie now. Right. It was too much to try to compute. Like, And also, it was a different angle. It was meant for kids. It was too much in, in, in its, when, it, when it was first birthed to the public. I, sure. I couldn't process it. Now I can look at it and go, yeah, yeah, it's like, I get it. It's fine, whatever. I'm not that into it, but whatever. Um, I think that trilogy gets good halfway through the second movie. I think when they end up in that arena... Actually, when Anakin says, I killed all the sand people, and he goes into the fit of rage that of revenge... <laughs> I'm I've Arab, seen, I'm allowed to say it.
1: I've only seen th- uh, them each one time, and oh, the well, second you, one in particular seemed like the most boring thing I've ever watched in my life. This first half of the second one when, sucks. When, when him and... Uh, Thor and Two Broke Girls as Natalie Portman is talking about the sand and the love. Yeah, that part sucks. Sands of time or whatever. I
0: what are we doing here? That part sucks. But yeah. get get you, you get halfway through, he slaughters all the sand people. He starts turning to the dark side. <laughs> let me say that. I tense up a little bit. I'm Arab. It's okay. Okay. Um, they go into an arena and fight giant monsters. There's a huge Jedi battle. All right. So from there and then Sith. I love. I think Sith is fine. I think it's as good as you like when Darth Vader goes. No, that didn't bother me. I mean, if we're going to... That's all I remember. When, when we get to the point where we, you're going to nitpick a whole movie because of that one thing, it's right. like we've all seen a million movies where a guy yells out, no, we didn't <laughs> so, ruin the movie for that reason. That's true. You know, so Sith is fine. I think Sith is better than Return of the Jedi.
1: Easily. Oh, come on now. Easily, yeah. All right, there's then not, I'll, I'll need to watch it again. There's not a 45-minute Ewok brigade in the middle of oh, well, it. I saw it when I was a kid. I liked it. A, a lot of it, I wonder sometimes, with like my, all my favorite albums come from the same like 10-year block. Most of my favorite movies come from that same 10-year block. I think that's when you're when you're like 16, 17 and starting to really really get into entertainment. Right. I think those just become your favorite things. The things I see now, I wonder if i had seen them when I was 17 if I if I would love them or if I just go now and I'm like eh, this is bullshit and blow it off, but maybe Sure. you know you never know. Because you're most impressionable at those young age. Of course. And
0: I say that all the time. When somebody goes, you're fucking, fucking attacking the clones. with a I'm like, you realize you were six, right? Yeah, exactly. You realize you were six when you saw the other movies. Right. Uh, and I know guys, you know, uh, Bill Burr, actually, who we just did an episode with. Um, you know, Bill's about 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. And he's somebody where he's like, oh, I don't think Star Wars holds up. It's like, yeah. yeah, he's a guy in his 40s. Yeah. Like, he, he saw it at a completely different age. It's a completely different thing for him. Um, and I, I I think, I don't know, I, uh, there's there's uh, this is an interesting area of show business, though, and this is one that everybody can relate to, whether they work in it or not. There's an ownership thing that happens. And the ownership, I was just talking about this at a party with somebody. Uh, there's an ownership thing that happens with pop culture, with mm-hmm. the products of show business, and the ownership thing often goes just in the negative direction. It doesn't right. go in the positive. So with Star Wars, which is the perfect example, yeah, people go, he ruined it. He ruined my childhood. Those movies suck. That's my new character I'm working on. The
1: the negative scat man? Uh, yeah, negative <laughs> scat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> scat man I gotta tell uh, you, druthers. That character's not going to... Not going to be around a long time. It's <laughs> pretty. It's pretty one now. But I wish you the best of luck with it. Take it over to UCB tonight. Maybe they'll love.
0: it. Let me show you how it works. Mm-hmm. Let me do it again. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that was the correct answer. Yeah. Um, but we. But it, it. So people go that whole negative route with it. Yeah. Why not go the positive? Which is for me. You know. You said earlier. Why did they have to keep making it? Well, for me. Did the Star Wars prequels hold up to the original trilogy? No. Um, did a lot of parts in them suck? Yeah, sure. But I don't care. Yeah. Because what I take away from them is I got more lightsabers. Sure. I got more opening scrolls to the Star Wars theme. Yeah. I got more backstory. It's a great way to look. I got more battles. Yeah. And I, can, I don't give a fuck that he rolls around in the field with Natalie Portman. I just skip that yeah. part on the DVD, and I get to the parts that I like, and I right. get to watch Yoda fight that was lord.
1: cool yeah yeah so well, what helps me now with that shit like i i the first hobbit i uh, i was asleep in 10 minutes i i hated it so much didn't care but i never liked that shit lord of the rings it was not my thing i watched desolation of smaug yeah. the other night high yeah. that high takes me back to like a childhood place where i'm not cynical about it i had a great time and i thought it was awesome That movie now, was too awesome. also had a lot more action
0: in it that movie was
1: awesome. It was awesome. And I expect I don't even know why I watched it because I expected to just fully hate it.
0: I'm enjoying listen to what I'm gonna tell you now. Oh. I'm enjoying this
1: trilogy more than the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. That's gonna that's gonna roll some heads. I don't care about it at all, but maybe my favorite of all of them was this Smaug. It's my favorite maybe of all. Maybe it's because I like saying the Desolation of Smaug. <laughs> I don't know. I thought the dragon was sweet. You put a little more pressure on the ooh. <laughs> Part of you that i make people. it sound like an ikea dresser yeah uh, like, hey, can i get uh one of the smaugs? yeah i here's where i loaded like... up in my pre <laughs> <laughs> here's why i like this trilogy better
0: uh the first one i don't think was great i thought it was too long oh, and i God. thought there was a lot of bullshit at it's the beginning Hobbit
1: singing about how delicious cheese is yeah i know and singing about how fun it is to wash dishes well, and talking about the adventures they're going to have 12 hours from them. Let the kids learn
0: something while we're watching the movie. Oh, I don't think kids like it. Kids, it's fun to learn. It's fun to wash dishes, you know? Well, we're, we're teaching sure. a nice lesson here to the yeah. kids, sending a good message. Well, teaching them a but lie. here's the thing. When it gets rolling, I liked it. It okay. just took a while to get rolling. Yeah. And here's why I like this trilogy more. To me, the first... Th- there's nothing that sums it up better than Clerks 2. When... um I like
1: Clerks 2. Underrated.
0: I love Clerks 2. Yeah. When, Randall, when Randall's having the argument about Star Wars trilogy versus... Uh Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and he goes, he goes, fuck the Lord of the Rings. All that, all those goddamn movies were was a bunch of people walking. Even the fucking so trees walked
1: in those movies, <laughs> which is it's very so true. perfect. But now Star Wars, but, like my dad was in 1977 when right. it came out. That's the year he married my mom. He was like 23, 24 years old. Right. So should have been like a big deal for him. He's never seen any of them. Didn't care. So that's probably rubbed off on me. Sure. I tried to watch it with him. He falls asleep every time when they're walking through the desert for what feels like an eternity, the two robots yeah. at the beginning. Like, what the hell? It is- Like, it gets angry right. and shuts it out. Anyone where people are just walking endlessly, what? just just pass time. We don't have to see them walk. Just tell us, hey, they got there. We know they got there. If you said to me right now, which movie
0: is better yeah. in the Star Wars canon, uh, the original Star Wars or Revenge of the Sith? I would say Star Wars, the original. Okay. If you said, which do you want to watch? I'd say Revenge of the Sith every time. All right. Every time. All right, Why? It opens with a huge space battle. Yeah. That's followed by an awesome lightsaber thing with General Grievous. Yeah. That's followed by Anakin killing kids and yes. turning to the dark side. And then they fight on a lava planet. Right. It's fun to fucking watch.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: Um, so, But here's my... Uh, well, we don't have to go back to Lord of the Rings. I made the point. I found the first ones a little boring. I find these new ones a little more versatile. Yeah. They're fighting ogres, they're fighting goblins, they're fighting
1: orcs. The first one, it was a lot of orcs over and over again. All five of these, if I'm not wrong, are just them walking this ring from A to B. There doesn't seem to be anything else. And then the, thing, the things they come across in the middle. But is it devotion to the books that they need to be six hours? No. Well, this this new trilogy, you know,
0: The Hobbit's one book. And he, yeah, I remember he's adding shit. He's short. He's adding shit like there's nothing in the book about like the coming of Sarum and all that stuff. I mean, it's maybe hinted at yeah. a tiny bit, but there's no like actual like, oh my God, this is happening. Right. There's none of that, you know, but he's, but I, I like it. I'm like, I got it. It's one last hurrah. This is the last Tolkien thing that can happen. Sure. Tolkien. I think it's Tolkien. I think it's smog. J.R.R. Tolkien's
1: <laughs> The Desolation of Smaug. Uh but You know, these What's interesting that we're talking about them is that these movies, none of these movies ever meant much to me. Back to the Future, I always took over all of them. Indiana Jones, definitely. had
0: my best friend growing up used to say that. He used to say, you know, Back to the Future trilogy is better than Star Wars, and I used to get so mad at him. Temple I, of Doom is
1: my favorite of all of the, the these movies I we're talking about. Doom. I love Temple of Doom. When people Non-stop, say it sucks, they're idiots. Too dark or whatever. And then when you watch on the DVD extras, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg are like, Apologizing for it, yeah, because they were going through divorces and they felt that it was too dark. Like, My God, what's the matter with you? They're going through divorces, and two of the two of the things in the movie, uh, there's a guy that rips your heart out of That's, your body. That, they talk about that. They were like, they they talk about when he when they watched it, they were like, this is too much. Then he was like, someone ripping the heart out. He's like, he knew right away that that was him, kind of working out some shit. And then the woman, the Sex and the City chick, is most obnoxious abrasive gold the digging decision. woman it's not no it's kate capshaw, kate capshaw. you're right who was new wife yeah uh i'm sorry i was thinking of cattrall who was yeah. in other shit she's super
0: gold digging super yeah. obnoxious super, super me me like, me screechy
1: me. and horrible
0: how about awesome there's a cult <laughs> yeah. that that sucks you in and controls your mind yeah
1: <laughs> sounds kind of like marriage well uh <laughs> But more than all those, like my, what the movies I watched over and over and over and over, 16 Candles, uh-huh. uh, the first vacation movie, right? Chevy Chase, a chance? Home Alone, uh, Roger Rabbit. Never a big Home Alone fan until the last, last 15 minutes. A little minutes. younger than you, though. I was like 10 when that came out. I was 12. Well, then what's the matter with you?
0: I like the last 15 minutes. I didn't give a shit about watching some kid that lived in a nicer house than I lived in whose well, parents true. had more money than I had, running around, having a good time in the snow. I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> he
1: wasn't having a good time <laughs> in the snow. I didn't give His a fuck. His life was at stake. It's
0: not funny until he starts fucking throwing bricks at Daniel Stern's head. Then I, I care.
1: disagree. Then I care. Uncle Buck.
0: Also, at that age, I'd already seen Goodfellas Okay, see, I couldn't and see at movies until I was seven. Yeah, and I'm watching like now my favorite character from Goodfellas, like in a wool cap, being like, "Yeah, I'm a burglar," <laughs> and it's like, "No, man, I know this guy's not threatening." His character from Goodfellas is threatening. This yeah. guy isn't threatening, you know. So I just didn't care. But I like the end. I love the end, and I love the end of the second one even more because it's violent. so crazy violent. Yeah. It makes me laugh so hard.
1: Yeah, it's hilarious. Who's but, Daniel Stern? Best scream in the business, in my opinion.
0: Oh, with the tarantula scream yeah. is like I mean, it's unfucking believable. Yeah. And know. and Daniel Stern, again, another classic thing. Wonder Years. That's yeah. the kind of show you see as a kid and you go, I wanna do that. I wanna make something sure. like that. It me, because it means it's clearly meant something to the writers too. It wasn't just like we're gonna make this thing and it's cool. Which is what's cool about John Hughes. The stuff he wrote about, you could tell it was there was him. He was yeah. in there, he was part of it
1: well and so more and more dutch i love i fucking love dutch <laughs> you love way. dutch yeah he didn't direct dutch dutch is a hilarious movie man. i don't dislike dutch well planes transit automobiles is one of my favorite comedies of all time what is Plans transit automobiles oh my which god is john hughes unbelievable dutch is the exact same movie just with a different odd pairing
0: yeah i, I that's why i don't like it as much i don't like yeah, it it's much, not as the good. kid i love ed o'neill i don't like the kid i'm just i don't you know like i'm just well, you're not supposed to like him until he I mean, comes around. I mean, I'm not interested in the He changes kids. his
1: uptight, snobby ways. I know, I know, I know. Ed O'Neill brings it out of him. I know, I know. They he's learn a, a little about each other. But
0: he's a kid that does this a lot. You, you're not going to be able to see this if you're listening at home. That that, that flips his hair back. That flip hair thing. It just anno- he's, he's supposed just to be an him. asshole. I don't want to watch him All right, for, for 90 minutes
1: straight. That's what fine. happened to that kid? What's he doing? He's done a lot of stuff. He was in Can't Hardly Wait. Uh, Wait, which kid? He was hey. in Brotherhood. You ever see Brotherhood I mean, Who is he in Can't Hardly Wait? Is he the main kid? The main kid. And he's in Vegas vacation. He's, he's Chevy Chase's kid. That's the same kid? Same kid. It and is? What makes it more confusing is that at the time he went by Ethan Embry. And then he eventually started going by Ethan Randall. But it's the same kid. Are you sure? 100%. Is he also like Kim Cattrall was in Indiana right. Jones and the Temple well, of Doom? Let's move past that. <laughs> Couldn't it have been Cattrall? I was thinking of Mannequin. Kim Gattrall was in Mannequin. Similar films. <laughs> Pretty much identical. <laughs> yeah,
0: I like at the end of Mannequin when he frees
1: all the slave children. Yeah. That's my favorite well, part. I thought, why are these slave children in this department store? <laughs> how, but,
0: that's how they're getting all these clothes.
1: Yeah. yeah. But for me, no, for me, uh, uh, I've you know, my my dad when I was little was like, what do you want to do? And I, from day one, I was like, I want to make movies. And then he said, which... But you know, why
0: did you? But wh- let me just jump in. Why did you want to make movies? What was it about only, the movies you it's the loved? The only
1: thing I cared about. So uh, I would like pretend to like baseball, as I still do to this day. I would go with my friends to the game. Whatever. All I ever cared about was movies, and I would like obsessively read movie books. Sure, movies I couldn't see because my dad wouldn't let me watch movies until I was seventeen. But he would like open up. We played this game where he'd open up the Leonard Morton movie guide. And like, uh, give me a title, and I would have to tell him like the whole cast of the movie. It's like nerdy shit, but it's all I cared about. And I would like know everything about movies that I wasn't going to watch for a decade. Uh, I was obsessive about it. Right. Mostly those comedies and then uh, other things, all PG stuff. What was it about the Hughes stuff that resonated with you so much? Hughes stuff, I think, because it was Midwest, Mm -hmm. uh, was a big part of it. I'm from St. Louis, and Mm -hmm. they're all in Chicago. But then also, I just thought they were incredibly funny. Yeah, they very they're very funny. Like uh, what what he does and what you almost can't do now. Like I I've written one and almost going to turn in a second movie, and the stuff that he got to keep in is the first stuff that would come out now, and it's like I watched Billy Madison the other day, which right. is a very funny movie. But there's like weird random shit in that that you just can't do in movies currently. Like Anchorman can because they trust Apetow to do whatever he wants. Right. Any other movie like I we wrote a movie where there was a scene with a. It was a five-page scene. The movie's about a kid gets held up. They steal his ID when he's going to his 21st birthday party. He's got to get it back. A big journey through Philadelphia. So he's held up at gunpoint, and he goes up to a cop, and he's like, I, I need help. I need help to get my ID back. And this cop goes on to a five-page monologue about the horrible shit he's seen in Philadelphia and That's why great. this wallet is the absolute last priority. That's great. And it goes on and on and on. But it's interrupted by the kids, and they all have like funny, so funny. Like quips and stuff. And we were hoping maybe to get like a Will Ferrell or somebody big because it's just one big scene right. like, that somebody could kill. Just a graphic, disgusting scene of like all these bodies who were found like stuffed with cum on the side of the road. Right. On on. That's hilarious. Uh, and it went on and on to crazier and crazier places. Everyone that read the script said, We love the script. We sold the script, which was great. Right. First thing you have to do is cut out that five page scene. It's the funniest thing in the movie. You have to cut it out. And more and more, when we turn in any script, people will say the hardest I laugh was this scene. You have to cut it. But why? But, but I'm surprised that the
0: first note is cut it and not. You just got to clean that up a little bit.
1: No, everything's got to be on story. And like the, the what makes that scene? Oh, you're saying I see what you're saying. What makes that scene okay. funny uh, is that it goes on forever. If it's a cop who tells one quick story about how bad it is, you might get a chuckle. But that for me, sitting and sitting back and watching that scene unfold and him talking about graphically these horrible things he's seeing and why helping you find your idea is not a big deal. That would get funnier and funnier and funnier and I would be like, this is crazy and I haven't seen this before. But more and more you go to movies and you've seen everything. And John Hughes would take, like he'd always bring in like some weird side character or he would spend like 10 minutes off on some little weird side plot. Like in Ferris Bueller, you got the guys who steal the car. And he'll like, follow them around a little bit. Right, And like, but
0: that's on story. I, I hate to say with the suits here. I'd say a five-page scene is probably a little lengthy. Maybe the note would that's be, not the can you get example. this down to a page and a half? It's really but funny. that's never the note. But that's, but well, one, I'm surprised that that's never the note because it's like, why do you want to cut a funny thing? Let's just right. make the funny thing work. Secondly, uh, the car thing serves a purpose. The
1: That, cars, that, was, that was a bad example. Oh, just, that I, was the I, bad I, example. I thought, I thought of one, one movie. But, but John I, I, Hughes, it, it just it, he he gives a shit about everyone in the movie, and my point is that everyone in the movie, everything they're saying is funny. So the 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 bar scene
0: in um, the, the when they go to the blues bar in uh, Weird Science, love it. That's a good example of what you're talking about. Doesn't further the plot. No, it doesn't. That's just that a much better. It's effect. just a well that's why i'm hosting the show yeah the uh that's but there's five but it's that's a good five six minute scene that yeah. really gets you nowhere except let's just watch how funny it is when anthony michael hall gets drunk and starts talking like a blues musician of course
1: yeah or like yeah. blues brothers uh it doesn't probably need to be two hours and 20 minutes no but like those car chases that go on and on and on and on is what i loved about it the most when i was a kid yeah like i always love the weird detours like like wet hot american summer is a movie of all those detours, and those movies never make money. But why not have like one weird, off kilter scene and introduce the people going to the big budget mainstream comedy hmm. to something weird and different? I never right. understood that really.
0: Yeah, it's uh, well, it's one of the things I love so much about
1: Scorsese movies. He is those like the scene with the, when they go and talk to the mom about the painting. Yeah, is a perfect example. Yeah, well, I or they are they making spaghetti, and they talk about how to make spaghetti.
0: I always said that uh. Well, look, this is my theory. I don't obviously know what Martin Scorsese's fucking formula is. Or not formula, but up. his process is. Yeah, let's get Ernie. Get him on. <laughs> uh, but like I always said when I try to describe like the best Scorsese movies, which to me the best of the best is Goodfellas. My favorite, I love favorite Casino. Movie all time. Yeah, I love Casino, Mean Streets, whatever there's it's not an a to b story no. in any sense it's almost to me like scorsese says okay here's the part that takes place when henry hill is 15 years old right what's the a to b of that and that you could you could take that you could excise that part of the script or the movie yeah and you go this is an episode of a tv show this kid falls in with gangsters right Here's the here's the, the rising tension. Uh here's the cl- at the climax he gets popped for selling cigarettes. Yeah. He comes in and then the the wrap the, or the, excuse me the wrap up moment is the lesson he learns when De Niro goes never rat on your friends always keep your mouth shut. The TV episode could end there. Yeah, for sure. Then he goes, "Okay, this is the episode now when he's in his 20s." And the best Scorsese movies to me function like that where yeah. where it's just vignettes essentially. It's yeah. like
1: 4 to 5 or 6 or 7 vignettes. Then, like here, I'm sure somebody said end it. They go, hey, let's talk about this coked out day a few years down the line and just follow that paranoid, coked out day. Boogie yeah. Nights follows the exact same structure as Absolutely. Goodfellas, like almost note for note, almost minute for minute. Yeah, They end with that one last thing and it's this crazy day, coked out day. It's almost identical, really. Yeah. But that's because those guys are considered legends, geniuses. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson wasn't at the time, but you trust those guys to do it. And coming up. Yeah, look at Magnolia. And the reason, like, really creative people and, like, friends of mine who have sold scripts, and you'll go, well, how could this guy who's a genius have written that? How did Charlie Kaufman, who wrote Being John Malkovich, write for that Ned and Stacy TV show for three years? Because. Did he do that first? Yeah. And then he got on to Dana Carvey and that kind of shit. Really? Yeah. But now he's. I didn't know know, that. You see, these scripts are clearly written by, like, one of the all time. Writing geniuses, in my opinion, being yeah. John Magovich adaptation and all that, and but you have to prove that you can do the sh- the normal stuff before they'll let you go off and do your other thing. It's yeah. kind of frustrating, but that's just the way it is.
0: Well, it's one of the reasons that I decided to make an effort to get into like staff writing and stuff, right? Because I was out there j- just as a comic, yeah, writing these scripts and having these ideas and and bringing them to people and saying, well, what about this? Yep and there's just a validity that's not there yeah you know that you, you have to prove yourself for a while it's it's i always say to people show business it's such a linear business yeah it's not it's never the man with the cigar and the contract
1: no it's really a work the, your way up thing yeah and the, it's just you the, gen, the, the generations now i'm going to sound like an ancient guy here they don't want to do anything my first job was in the page program ten dollars an hour nbc page uh living in new york and i was just destitute basically for that entire year you make ten dollars an hour uh and live in new york it's almost impossible to do i had no savings but i begged for that job and did that and people ask all the time well how do you break in and i go well you could do the page program isn't that like an internship is it unpaid or no one wants to do any of that stuff anymore no and the people who write me are not saying like what's a good starting point to get in people are saying to me uh Hey, can you I've written 10 pages of a script. Can you read it for me and give me notes?
0: Well, it's one of the reasons that it absolutely makes me sick to my stomach that people get writing jobs off of a Twitter feed. It's
1: that's happening all the time
0: now. It's th- th- terrible. I think it's absolutely despicable and I think it's absolutely disrespectful to to anybody that's ever had to pay one day of dues in this business. Yeah. It's 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 also writing a couple tweet jokes does not mean you can write an episode it's of television insane. or a movie or anything it's insane yeah yeah there's no there's just no logic to like the 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 uh, structure the structural aspects of a writing staff yeah sure The you know the different departments in a writing staff you know the focuses the you know whatever it is it's like to just pluck somebody out and go yeah you could do
1: this yeah it's, and it's such ever, a disrespect to anybody that's ever done it yeah you nobody's know Nobody's ever asking me those questions how do i you know, the questions you should be asking don't get asked anymore. They want to know, how can I very, very quickly be like the executive producer of a television show?
0: Yeah. You just
1: can't. You have to do many, many things.
0: I'm very happy that that we've quite organically yeah. gotten to this point because it's it's my favorite thing to talk about in show business um, or in pertaining to show business, uh, and it's something that troubles me. And it's this problematic thing. Uh, it's... Almost like a virus of people that want it immediately. Yeah, and I always cite uh, swimming with uh, sharks, the Kevin Spacey, sure. Frank Whaley movie. He's got Frank. He's got Kevin Spacey tied to the chair. Uh huh. You're an asshole. You're a horrible person. You've been so shitty to me. And <laughs> Kevin Spacey says, "You kids are all the same. You think you deserve it because you want it. Right. You got to earn it. Yeah. And as." Despicable as Kevin Spacey's character is in that movie, I am like, oh, he's one hundred percent right. I wrote he that is. down the first time I saw the movie. I grabbed a notebook.
1: Sure, I wrote this very similar quote from uh, Mad Men. Did you watch Mad Men? Uh, a little bit. Not. You'd, I feel like you'd love. It, you should watch. I
0: won't. I mean, I like it. I just yeah. don't watch a lot of.
1: But the girl goes in and she's complaining about how she's not getting positive feedback from Don Draper on her ad campaign. She's like, "You never say good job or anything." he goes that's what the money is for (laughs) and that's something to remember as well like when people on my on my staff everybody complains but you'd be complaining and it's like well we're getting paid a lot of money though so like he's not going to suck us off Mm -hmm. uh when we turn in a great joke you might want that you might think you deserve that but even at this stage of the game and i've been a writer for a while you can't expect or even demand that kind of praise and feedback that's what the money is for. yeah
0: yeah i saw an interview on youtube um one of my favorite rappers is a guy, Cool Keith. I know Cool Keith. Uh, I'm Not a huge. Personally. I don't think anybody knows Cool Keith. I personally. met him once. He's an idol, artistic idol of mine. Yeah. I met him once in Katz's Deli in New York. Okay. He was standing next to my table. Yeah. Like, I guess he had finished eating. He did finish eating because he kept picking his teeth with his credit card. He was clearly <laughs> trying to get some piece of pastrami out of uh, his teeth. But he was standing next to my table. He probably
1: had toothpicks there.
0: And. uh I, I, le- I finally leaned over and I go, excuse me, are you cool, Keith? And he was like, yeah. And we started talking. We talked for so long that I was trying to figure out how to get out of the conversation. <laughs> and I don't mean that as an insult to him. Yeah. It was just, we, he was very happy to just stand there and talk to me. Sure. And we talked for so long that I started to be like, I got to get out of this because this, this is going to die yeah. like, before this gets dead. And, um, and I gave him my number. And he's like, Yeah, I'd like to come see you do comedy. I need to laugh. Oh, damn. He just kept saying, I need to laugh.
1: And then he never called me. Well. But anyway, Cool Keith has my phone number somewhere. Well, that's but, the interesting thing about approaching somebody who's not Brad Pitt, is if it's somebody whose stars on the decline who you really respect, or you know. Right. Like I told you the other day about how I was I went to an Elvis Costello concert in Central Park and I was sitting next to David Chase, who created the Sopranos. Yeah. And this was Height of the Sopranos. That's yeah. my favorite show of all time. So I'm like, hey. Uh, I, I'm not going to bother you or anything. I'm sure you hear this all the time I'm living in New York, but I'm a huge fan of your show. And he was like, you kidding? Nobody fucking talks to me. Nobody knows who I am or what I look like. I'm happy to talk to you. Let's talk. And it was an amazing conversation, but this guy who I completely respected just looks like some schmuck. Yeah. Uh, and especially writers have a big part of that where it's like this thing you all love, I do it. Right. Like when you see everyone giving these huge standing ovations to the cast each week, they deserve it. They're amazing. But I'm always like, hey, a little something for daddy. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. All exactly. those jokes you left that I wrote them. Well, here's the thing. And then that's how writers become assholes and bitter. And yeah. I try not to do that. Yeah,
0: I played an asshole writer on Louie. I, I saw it, I remember it. Yeah, the guy that's like, yeah, well, you saw it. I
1: didn't know you at the time, but now that you say that, I do remember that. Yeah, and yeah, yes.
0: but that was so fun to get to be the writer that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: it's stupid, Yeah.
0: you know? There's always one of those. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, well, here's where I brought up the cool key thing. I watched an interview with him recently and uh, they said, you know, you're talking about retiring from rap and blah, 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 blah. Why? Right. And he said, because the dynamic... the He said something, I'm paraphrasing. The audience dynamic has changed. It used to be that you came to see the show and the rapper was on stage. Yeah. Now, everybody in the audience is
1: a rapper too. That's very true. And I was like, wow, fuck. Or they're a cinematographer filming the fucking show with their camera over their heads so that no one else can see it. Yeah, everybody.
0: I mean, listen, I'm on Twitter. Yeah, I'm there. I'm part of the the necessary evil. Sure. Uh, I rarely tweet. Yeah. I use it as a way to promote shows. I'll send out a funny thought if I think of it. Right. And I try to continue to acquire followers. Uh, And I'm and I'm verified. Thank you, Twitter. Congrats. That all being said. I think, and and it's not Twitter's fault; it's our fault. But Twitter, to me, is like cigarettes. It has caused, it is such a fucking problem, it, like such a sleeping fucking problem in this culture. And it is created and is continuing to cultivate a monster, an absolute monster that uh, one everyone day. Everyone feels entitled. Is what you're
1: saying? Everyone feels and everyone entitled. They're hilarious because they have followers
0: absolutely yeah and one day we're all gonna look up and go what have we done we've ruined i it. had
1: that moment with twitter and i'll still think of a, a joke or two a day and post them and i love getting favorites and followers and whatever else sure, especially yeah. especially when it's a big big person that follows me it's very exciting but i had that moment where i was like this is sick and i should stop doing it i was like uh just constantly scrolling through it and people it's it's a life for people like when i put post a tweet at 10 a.m and 10 p.m and the same people star it. That means they're just on Twitter all day for the most part, and that's scary to me. That's all they do because they're, that's not cult, That's not cultivating a writing career. When people say like, "Hey, can you maybe slip my Twitter feed to your boss or whatever?" It's like write a full script to show that you can do it because a, a couple funny tweets are nothing. Or write a packet. Yeah, of course. Write a packet it, because don't, don't post thing. every thought you have in your head and like start a cute. That's what I used to do before Twitter and I'm honestly super glad I came up slightly pre-Twitter because then every joke I had went into a packet and I had to shape it and work on it and then I wound up with a great packet and that's what got me jobs.
0: Well, and that's the thing. It's like you're not you're not a writer because you can write the things that come into your head. Yeah. That's that's half of it. Right. The other half of it is when somebody says to you you gotta do this right now. I need something about this. And then you have to write within somebody else's boundaries. Yeah. Or guidelines or whatever you want to call it. And in that's the voices writing. of those characters.
1: Exactly. And there's five, six characters a show, each one has a different voice. And if you're doing all like little quips like, Oh, this the dress she wore at the Emmys was fucking ugly, that's not gonna help you write for six characters in a show.
0: Exactly. And that's what bothers me with the Twitter feed thing. It's like you're just writing your own thoughts. Anybody right. can do that. That's called stand up comedy. Yeah uh not anybody could do it i have an immense revere for stand up which is why i do it yeah. but like but, you know my point is is that's that's stand up that's poetry that's go up and talk your own shit to an audience and see if it works or not but you know for somebody to just go well i'm a writer because i made this funny yeah but you thought of that yeah. you know i i always say about myself i go do i consider myself a script writer no i don't yeah do i consider myself somebody who's capable of writing the scripts for his own ideas? Yes, I do. Yeah. So hopefully I can sell my own ideas. Right. And if I did sell my own ideas, I probably wouldn't want to be a staff writer for those ideas. Sure. I'd probably want to just get that executive producer credit, co-creator credit, be a consultant, be there, help the process move along. But I I, I don't think I'd want to be the guy that's sitting there writing, trying to come up with story ideas every week. Yeah.
1: Well, usually though, there's guys like you that are excellent at it. I'd rather be out on the road doing comedy. Sure. And usually if you want to develop your own ideas and stuff, you either have to become huge in stand-up and they'll let you do it, like a Louie. or you have to uh, work your way up, unfortunately. And you have to do those staff writer jobs to get to a point where well, that's, yeah. they'll let you create your own thing. We, the reason that my career basically started, we had little Joe jobs here and there. I mean, my writing partner, but uh, Robert, like the reality show Robin Big was a little, little tiny job we had, but they went in and we met with the Always Sunny guys and we loved the show. And we had like ten minutes to wow them, and we pitched a few episode ideas and stuff. And I, they told us flat out the reason you guys got that job, over because we thought we had no chance over like really established people, is they like to hire people who have no writing experience because you right. haven't learned the shitty habits of right. television. Right. Right. Uh, but what the weird way of doing it, kind of their weird way, the Always Sunny weird way, which makes for a very unusual, hilarious show that people love. Is that now we go into these more traditional jobs, like a two broker's or whatever, and we're bringing in kind of that weird outside right. the box energy, which sometimes works great. And you can get, we've gotten really weird, awesome, great jokes onto the show. And there's really funny people on the show. But it's not that vibe of Always Sunny, which is kind of a dream where you can write about whatever the hell you want. You can go off on a 10 sure. minute riff about sure. anything you want to go off about. Yeah. But they hi- intentionally hire people who haven't learned bad habits. And you see those bad habits uh, basically sticking to a formula, which is most of what sitcoms are. Right. You see that even happen on Twitter. People will use the exact same joke structures and change two words and become huge successes on Twitter. Uh, No one's trying to come up with original shit. They're all just like rephrasing other people's jokes. And it's really the same 10, 20 jokes. They're sad, really.
0: Yeah, it's truly, uh, to me, it all kind of reflects, and and it upsets me that so much of, Entertainment is this now, but it's just it's such a celebration of, of average. Exactly. You know, it's, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's an empty validation. Yeah. Well, I have this many followers on Twitter. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. There's no concrete worth in that. It doesn't provide any sort of monetary nothing there's just it's
1: it's literally nothing Fifty thousand twitter followers and five bucks will get you five bucks yeah exactly well yeah it does nothing for you
0: it's like saying i'm the best at call of duty okay right great yeah 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 is is the fred savage movie the wizard a real thing (laughs) where you're going to travel across the country to some competition
1: no then you know i don't care yeah you know um well and also like let's we were talking about the fantastic four uh fantastic four comes out oh well you know, let's make three of those movies because it made $250 million. You ever talk to anyone who loved the Fantastic Four? They And they keep making these, all the huge budget things back when we were little, uh, you know, like a Poltergeist or like an Indiana Jones or a Star Wars. They changed people's lives. And the stuff that comes out now, all these big budget movies, for the most part, except for like a Matrix here and there or something, right. are complete garbage. All of them. And instead of making... 10 amazing $20 million movies from scripts that they love, they always go for that one big $200 million movie. They spend $200 million, they make $215 million, right? and they keep doing them. It's, it's all crap. It's all average crap. The bait-and-switch
0: aspect of movie-making these days is very upsetting to me. Yeah. it's the fan, Like you said with Fantastic Four, well, who cares if the first one sucked and comic book fans from here to Japan were like, this is a goddamn disgrace. <laughs> uh, forget that. Yeah, We're going to make another movie and put the words Fantastic Four and Silver Surfer on it Yeah, and th- they'll just buy the tickets. And they and, did. And you go into the room and you're like, F-. I remember Brian Posehn in a really funny joke about um, how he hated the Star Wars movie so much and I don't agree. But <laughs> right. he hated the Star Wars movie so much he said, I'm not even going to see the third one because I think well, I'm going to walk into the theater and it's just going to be George Lucas there waiting to ra- like rape me or uh-huh. something. It was yeah. something along those lines. Sure. Um But I feel like that sort of, that hustle is so present now, you know, it's, they put everything's, and again, this is another Twitter online thing, buzzer words, you know, it's like, well, why doesn't your YouTube video have 6 million hits? Why? Because I didn't dress a banana up as the Green Lantern. (laughs) Right. And then I just got clicks because the words Green Lantern were in it. Yeah. I made a thing that I actually thought was quality and I believed in it. And I, I, it wasn't built on some kind of sales marketing scheme. Yeah. It was just a thing I made that I thought was good. Yeah. That's all, you know, and it, it, it makes me so sad, but that's everything now. It's, and that's another one. YouTube hits. What does it even mean? A million hits. They don't, it doesn't do anything for you. Nothing. Yeah. Literally nothing. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's a great thing in addition to something else. I love the fact that, you know, I'm working on the Pete Holmes show. I love that our videos, some of them gotten like 6 million hits or whatever. Right. That's awesome. But there's a TV show. Yeah, sure. There's a TV show and there's all this other really cool stuff happening. And you're and using them
1: to hopefully guide people to watch the TV. Right.
0: That's just one little part of it. Yeah. Uh, of the bigger picture. Um, but people that base it all on that, you know, my YouTube channel gets all this, you know, these girls that like, you know, they strip down to bikinis and dance around with their tits flopping everywhere. Yeah. Well, my YouTube channel is 4 million hits. And now I'm sitting on a panel at a major comedy festival yeah. telling people how to run their careers. Are you shitting me? Meanwhile, some fucking 25 year old veteran, 25 year vet legend is across town in a half full theater yeah trying to get people to come see his one man show what the fuck is going on that girl
1: you're not going to fuck that girl and then the people who follow porn stars and hot girls on twitter why are you doing that it's unbelievable and you read through it and it's like had a great day had an iced tea or whatever what it's all uh like hot girls can get people to do anything we're in the middle of a boom right if now. If I follow this hot girl, then maybe she'll fall in love with me. Yeah. It's very absurd yeah. to me. And we're in the middle, we're in the middle of a boom right now. Yeah.
0: This is about to collapse and I can't wait till it does. The chickens are already coming home to roost and it's very lovely. And there's nothing I enjoy more than watching the failure of others. <laughs> uh, and uh, it, it is happening, but this is just like the comedy boom that happened in the late 80s. Um and this happens in entertainment, in waves. Something gets way, way, way out of control. Uh, everybody's a star. Everybody gets a shot. Everybody gets this. Everybody gets that. And then all of a sudden, it just, boom, yeah, It'll explode. And, and then it'll just be the rebuilding phase again. Right. And I, it can't happen soon enough. I, I really hope that uh, that takes place very soon. Yeah. But with all this being said, with all we're complaining and bitching and you know fucking seething about right now, we still do this. Yeah, sure. You still
1: do it. You still stick in it. But I feel good about the way I came up. I think you do as well. Uh, I fucked a lot of guys. Okay. <laughs> but you felt good about it at the time. I didn't. High on whippets. But and the point is, is we're what here. What are those things called? The, uh, <laughs> poppers. 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 Yeah. yeah, you, you had a good time. I'm, real quick. Yeah. I'm happy you mentioned poppers. Oh, okay. Uh,
0: <laughs> where is this part that of show business now? Where is this fucking part of show business now? The blowing guys
1: to get to the show? That's still out there.
0: Sam Kinnison walking out on Letterman. This is on YouTube. You can see it. Okay. He's blitzed out of his mind. Yeah, you missed that. He's so blitzed, he's wearing sunglasses. He he takes them off. He does... I'm not saying it was good that it was blitzed. This is the part that I love. He's supposed to do a seven-minute set. He does one joke about don't videotape yourself having sex. Then he goes... Man, I, uh, I gotta, I gotta phrase this next thing real cool, because <laughs> he's all fucked up. Yeah, And he goes. Uh, Do you ever have sex on amyl nitrate, which is poppers? Right. They bleep the words. You see Letterman walk off the set, and he start, and then Kinnison's looking at the director, going, "What? That's it? That was like three minutes. And they cut him short. Yeah, and that's the whole set."
1: That, no. that excitement does not happen
0: anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not saying go on Letterman all fucked up. Sure. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is that excitement, what happened to the counterculture in, in it, entertainment? It's not it's, allowed anymore. It's not allowed, and yeah. it's gone, and there's nothing left to rebel against. Right. This is like when right now the, the whole climate in entertainment, whether it's stand-up comedy or television or movie, whatever it is, it's just like... When grunge broke and then got shitty, yeah, we're we're at the we're at the, we're at the seven, candle box stage. We're at the <laughs> candlebox seven Mary three stage, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's becoming cumbersome, frankly. Yeah, <laughs> we're at that stage in the entertainment thing right now. Everybody yeah. and I think I said this to you in a bar last night. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck am I supposed to rebel against except the guys in my own fraternity? Exactly. I'm at a point where I want to turn to people that sometimes I'm on shows with yeah. and just be like, "You know what, guys? I'm going to spend my whole set bitching about that last guy." Yeah. And I don't do it uh because there's no way you look good doing that. You just look like you're being an asshole and, right. and you're you're battling uphill. But it's like there's just not there's nothing left to rebel against and that drives me nuts. There is no excitement as you said. There is no
1: did you see this? Did you see that last night? That doesn't happen at all. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and the, then
0: you're like, oh, if if, if it is something, exciting, oh, I didn't see it. I'll look it up. And the best you'll get is, did you see when, did you see when the girl from Community ran on stage at the MTV? I don't <laughs> care. Yeah, it wasn't care the girl from, whatever her name is. Uh, Ar- yeah, Aubrey. Aubrey. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Aubrey's very nice. Yeah. My point is, it's like, did I see when the famous person did the famous thing? On the famous thing to the famous On the famous biggest guy? show in the world, yeah. Yeah, d- that's not exciting to me. Yeah, that's and it's not also, exciting there's no feeling
1: me. of, oh, fuck, I missed that, or I have to watch that, yeah. because then if that was an exciting thing, uh, it, then I can go, oh, no, I didn't see it. Click, click, and I'm watching it. Yeah. It's sad. We yeah. sound like old men, but it's true. It's sad.
0: It is very sad. You know what excites me? Did you hear when gallagher walked off of mark Merritt's podcast it's like yeah i yeah I, that's what i want to hear i did listen to that yeah i want to hear uh, yeah and i did too and i loved it yeah. but it's like that's what i want to hear i want to hear a guy that i like talking to a guy that i don't like <laughs> they both have their their recognition and everything but yeah. nobody hears a superstar yeah and some shit happens and it's a little some dangerous friction. or crazy yeah. and some friction that's what I want to fucking hear.
1: It's not Gallagher going on, going, hey, come see uh, Gallagher, the motion picture. And then him going, yeah, that sounds great. I'll yeah, check it out. Yeah. Which is all every interview is now.
0: I complain, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I complain all the time about, like, you know, how many comics. I always say this, and I, I don't mean this in, like, you gotta be edgy, man. You know what I mean? I don't mm-hmm. mean it like that. Um, but uh, I do complain all the time about uh how I go, I always say, if you're a comic. I'm just going to put it in the stand-up comedy terms. If you're a comic, you should walk off stage once every however many times you're up there and go, I fucked up. I fucked that up. I I thought they were with me. I shit. I should have done that bit. Right. And whether that leads to you going, I'm not going to do that bit anymore, I was out of line, or leads to you going, fuck them. I'm right. They're wrong. Whatever it is. Yeah. It needs to start. With that place of going, I took a shot and I fucking failed. And I don't know why I failed, but I gotta figure that out. I don't hear comics doing that anymore. I hear guys walking off stage and the worst they say is they're nice. They're okay.
1: Yeah. They should hate you sometimes. Sure. Oh, and not I not because you're being hateful. Yeah. Or hateable. I see a bulk of standup comedians I see uh, are just so bland and inoffensive and nothing. Talking about the same things people have been talking about for I'm so tired however long, I'm so
0: tired of it. I you've, don't get it. You've you've all become the things you've beheld. Yeah, to quote "The Untouchables," one of my favorite movies of all time. Sure. David Mamet, who to me is is my John Hughes. Uh huh.
1: I went with David Mamet. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> David Mayo can be annoying as fuck. Though. Yeah, when he's absolutely. on, he's amazing, but right. he can be really obnoxious. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah.
0: I love him though, uh, and I love his daughter so much. Oh, oh, if you hear this, oh, you're into her. Sweet, sweet
1: Josiah.
0: Well, she's her name's Shoshana on the show. Her Zoe name in real life is right. right? It's like it's Zoe. Zoe,
1: like Zoeja Grass or something. Wow. Oh, it's a
0: hardcore name. Yeah, you're into her. Oh my god, Are you kidding me? I'm not. I think she's an amazing actor. Like. She's incredible on that. She is the best thing on Girls. I like Girls a lot. It's a show. I like Girls. Um, and I think they're all good, but yeah. she's she's exceptionally good. Exceptionally.
1: How do you know that's not just her? I've never seen her in real because life. Because I've seen her in interviews. Okay. She's all not right.
0: like that at all. And she's also... You don't find that performance a little ...20 times note? hotter in real life than she is on that show. Okay. No, I don't, because to me, she's doing what truly great actors do, which is she somehow found the bridge between character acting and being and drawing from herself Mm because you know it's so often it's separated it's either they're johnny depp or they're de niro and there's like no in between she's somewhere in the middle of that where it's real and believable and you're like this is part of her somewhere but then also she's put this like cadence and this energy and whatever into it where it's it feels like a character and you see her in an interview you're like wow she's a very different person
1: anyway expect a big jojia mamet gush (laughs) Out of you, Joe. But all right, <laughs> you should see my pants right now. <laughs> uh, anyway, but here's the point.
0: Um, the point is, is that uh, y- you've become what you've beheld. You know, there was a time when uh, people crucified. Look, they crucified Dane uh-huh. for several reasons, Dane and C- one, yeah, yeah, Dane Cook, and one of the things that they chose to crucify him over was, well, he's fine if you want to entertain college kids, right? well if you want if you want that to be your audit, you all entertain <laughs> college kids sure you, you've gone beyond that you all entertain all of you critics uh that were so above all that you cater to high school children now, yeah, you're all doing oh well, the clubs are stupid they don't listen they're not open minded really yeah. is there anything more closed minded than your little fucking art house gathering well well, they only respond to buzzer words in the really and you guys aren't doing that sure it has become as snobby close-minded stupid disrespectful and immature as everything that it was ever supposed to rebel against in any way yeah and it just very much saddens me because if you can't be a rebel in the goddamn entertainment business then where can you be one walsh and
1: that's where we'll end all right right yeah. I'm going to go punch a cop in the mouth.
0: Go punch a cop in the mouth. All right. This business stinks. It makes us <laughs> furious. But at the end of the day, you do it. Why? Because you want to be John Hughes. Yes. Or I want to be David Mamet.
1: There's no business like show business. No business, I know. I said it at the beginning. Right? Did you? I did. wasn't paying attention.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's the problem. And it comes full circle again. I was
1: tweeting. What do you want to plug? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Walsh as well as Vine. <laughs> uh <laughs> and that's it i do i do uh very very occasional stand-up gigs cause i got a full-time thing going but i do what i can that's cool i choose to do both nobody's judging listen yeah. uh yeah i work full days too i still do the shows
0: at night it wasn't a criticism Joe. <laughs> <laughs> listen go see patty walsh if you ever see him on a bill yeah at a live
1: show he's hilarious i'm doing uh, meltdown february 13th if you're in the los angeles area
0: go see patty walsh at meltdown he's the best and meltdown's a really great show um and uh and uh follow him on twitter and vine as you said and uh watch uh his tv show marvel's agents of two broke girls
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah starring natalie portman yeah yeah and uh morgan freeman